Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. This podcast was recorded at the 2010 Alleluia Conference. In this session entitled, The Organist of the 21st Century, Leading the Dance, Michael Burkhardt assists participants in interpreting the inerrant dances of the assembly song at the organ. Through vocal and kinesthetic gestures and understanding, Burkhardt describes different styles from chant to music of the 21st century. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia. the organ as a mechanical instrument it doesn't dance for us along the way or perhaps we don't know what the dance should be because we don't know how to feel it in our person I have a belief that if we can't feel it in our voice or if we can't feel it in our bodies it would be very difficult to make it come alive (laughs) at an outside instrument and so we're going to consider this our secondary instrument for the day and each of you are going to be the considered the primary instrument the work we will do is based on fm alexander from the alexander technique and um, um, also some ideas on how that translates into us for organists and actualizing the different dances that we are called to play um, i know he didn't write it for us but the poem at the top of your page Um, by Carl Sandburg, I think accurately describes what we're all about as organists. He wrote it for Gene Kelly, so I think that puts us in great company um, for for, for our quest. And this is what Carl Sandburg had to say. Can you dance a question mark? Can you dance an exclamation point? Can you dance a couple of commas? Can you bring it to finish with a period? Can you dance like the wind is pushing you? Can you dance like you are pushing the wind? Can you dance with slow wooden heels and then change to bright and singing silver heels? Such nice feet, such good feet. I I think it says all that we need to be. Um, um, And I think the first set of questions or the first column, that's the core of what we do every week you are dancing question marks in the text that you play. You're also dancing exclamation points. You're looking out for those commas so you know how often um, you want to breathe or punctuate something. And you're also looking for those periods. But sometimes we as organists get nervous at periods and we don't give enough breath when there is a period before we need to go on. That being said, as kind of the core of what we do, maybe the second column of questions is the how we shape based on our understanding of the core. To dance like the wind is pushing you, that there's a force greater than you in the air i.e. being open to the Spirit of God to lead you in the dance. And then perhaps that second question, can you dance like you are pushing the wind? Can you get caught up in that and then be a continuation of the proclamation? And then maybe the third question is the hardest one we have to do. Can you dance with slow wooden heels and then change? (laughs) Because with the musics we are given these days to lead in worship, we might have to go from a praise chorus to a German chorale to a global African piece of music. 
they all require different shoes, so to speak. Can we make the change, or are we only comfortable playing with everything with the same set of shoes, or the same technique, or the same style? So um, our premise today is we're going to work, first of all, with our own body instrument and what it might mean to sing, to move according to a hymn that we might be asked to play, and then translate that to the keyboard. Just a little bit of background. Um, when I learned to play hymns and everything, it was by the book, and you lifted repeated notes in the soprano and the tenor, and you tied repeated notes in the bass and in the alto, and there were all these rules, and as a consequence, all my hymns started sounding the same, whether they for, were Reformation hymns or Victorian hymns or revival hymns, the rules were the same. Kind of boring, and not being one to like to stay within the system of rules <laughs> all the time, it was like, okay, I had to get my hands off the keyboard and start breaking some of those rules along the way. But I found out that if my body didn't support the gesture of the, the music, then I still couldn't actualize it fully at the keyboard. About 20 years ago, um, no, not that, 15 years ago, I, w I went to work on my doctorate, and I made up my mind that I would embark on this thing I heard about, the Alexander <laughs> Technique. And um, I had almost determined that I would, when my career was over, I wasn't going to play anymore 15 years ago. I was in such pain all the time, and I thought everybody played with that much pain. I had learned it as an, a graduate student, and part of it was I had a wonderful teacher, but he would always yell over my right shoulder. And as a consequence, I ended up playing like this because it was my protection, you know, from that going on. And I wasn't really aware. And I wouldn't start out playing that way. I'd be like this, and then by the end of a concert, I'd probably say, you are such a lopsided player. And I could feel it. It just hurt. And then there wasn't enough recoup time between concert the first week and concert the second weekend, you know, to get to be able to do it. So I went to an Alexander teacher for a quick fix, and what I got was a life-changing experience. Um, thinking I would stay for six months, I stayed for four years and actually became trained to be a teacher. Um, but the, whole, the, the important part about it was is that it taught me that the body needs to support what we do rather than follow a bunch of rules for playing. And secondly, we need to pay attention to our bodies. And all of a sudden, when I started talking about this with people, they said, oh, I hurt too, but I didn't want to say anything, you know, when we were in school because we were all, you know, in competition, you know, with each other, having to be the best, and we were in very high-powered institutions. And how sad that we had come, you know, to that point in, in our learning. And so the other thing I learned from the, this, this experience was that we have to be vulnerable with one another, with the music we play, <laughs> and with the instrument that we connect to. So what I would like to invite you into today is doing some simple movement type things um, for opening up our bodies, because what I'm finding is that, and we just were together, and we saw this in our last class, it's like the older we get, and I'm when I mean older, when we leave childhood, all of a sudden we start changing the way we carry and hold our bodies. If we watch a young child, they just kind of move instinctively all over. But the older we get in our fast-paced society, we often end up 
either closing ourselves in because we want protection from <laughs> the aggressive world around us, or we feel the weight of the world and all of a sudden our spinal column, we've seen how old, the older you get, people say you're shrinking <laughs> you know, in size. Or when we're sitting on the bench, I just love this. And um, at first I thought it was just my imagination, but it really isn't. I'll see an organist playing along the way, and there they're going like this, and all of a sudden, I know exactly where the music gets hard, because it's like this, and we end up like this, and we're drawn into it. And the whole, that whole drawing into something all of a sudden closes our body down, and we can no longer, and if we thought we had any hope of playing that difficult passage well <laughs> before, as soon as we've gone like this, our motion is restricted here, it's restricted here, and look what's happening to all of this. And this is all very, very tight along the way. So um, for this first part, we're just simply going to move in our chairs and then talk about how that'll come over to here. So thank you for joining the dance. It might not be what you came for, but it's what you're going to get <laughs> this morning uh, along the way. So if you would, and I've tried to write down everything of these steps on your your um, handout so that you don't have to write, you can just experience, because we'll remember the experience um, far longer than what we write on a piece of paper. There are three words we're going to deal with, though, and they're listed under the primary instrument, awareness, balance, and freedom. The whole goal of what we do is to become aware of how we are using our primary instruments, and then in that awareness, if we find things that aren't supporting what we need to do, our goal will be to inhibit them or to take a step back and say, I don't need to do that, you know, let's just start over. The, that leads towards the balance both as we're sitting, as we're standing um, in, within and without the body, and finally the freedom to change those wooden heels, the <laughs> silver shining heels along the way. So, if you would stand up, please, and we're going to start with a simple stretch. You can do these with your choirs, you can do these with yourselves, they can be your warm-up. Do you warm up to play the organ? Oh no, I've got a ton of work to do, i got to learn this piece really fast. You know, football players, athletes are always warming up before they play, they know that they can't do it. We have forgotten that along the way. So, we're simply going to start with lifting hands up, and there's really nothing to do, it's just go for a nice stretch. And then this is all relaxed on top. And then as you are able, we're going to take these hands that are lifted up here, we're going to take them to that wall over there. But as we do so, we're going to let go of our knees, and they're going to go in the opposite direction. And just hold it, and then we come back to the top, relax, and then take it the other way. For some of us, it may be the first time we've let go of our hips in a while to do this, because to get those knees to go in the other direction, means we let go of our center. And we're just going to take those arms down to our side, shake them out a little bit. And we're going to now, all of this is for opening up the upper torso. We're going to take those arms, and we talk about doing shoulder circles all the time. I know choirs do it. You know, they lift up and they go back and all that. I'm going to suggest that you do elbow circles instead, which will create a shoulder <laughs> circle for you. If you think, about lifting your elbows and making circles here, it starts opening up the joint. You can start small and then increase the circle 
And just let whatever happens in your body right now is the right thing to be happening. You can also change the direction of those circles. Lift and go forward, lift and go forward. As you're doing the lift and forward motion, allow yourself to let go at the, the middle joint of your torso, and you're gonna come down and just let your arms and your head dangle in front of you. Look with your eyes at the floor or your feet or whatever's there. And with your breath, would you be my echo? It means I'll go first with a rhythm pattern and then you'll repeat it after me. The first thing sounds like this. one vertebrae at a time, come back into a standing up position so you don't get a headache <laughs> or a major blood rush to your head. Um, I'll stop just periodically. We do that, number one, to get the feeling of stretching this all out, relaxing, but also we did the breath thing to show where our center will be when we're sitting. Breath comes from here rather than from up here. And the, the more anxious we get, the more shallow we breathe and we keep going up, 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 up like that. So we let go all of that. You've been gifted with some bumps behind your ears. If you would lightly touch with your index finger or your middle finger there and just find them for right now. And that's going to be a reminder of where we move our head. And we're simply going to nod our head from that position of bumps. As organists or even as human beings, we often use our whole back to do this only need to use that area. Those bumps kind of approximate where your head rests at the top of your spinal column. You can also just lower your fingers from those bumps just slightly, and it also becomes the axis point from which you turn from the side to the side. What good mobility for us to have as organists. If we could use our heads better, we could <laughs> see where we're playing, where those stops are, where those pedal notes that we miss are <laughs> without using our whole back to find and then getting out of position to play. So we have that. The other thing is find your jaw hinge and would you give yourself a jaw massage? And it's right in front of your earlobes right here. If you do a chewing motion with your mouth, you can almost feel that muscle moving there and then you'll know where it is. And that's the part where singers and organists and pianists love to store their attention. <laughs> and so we're gonna just work to stretch that out. As you're doing so, can you stretch it like this in a longer way? And I'm gonna ask you to take what, what I would call is a yawn from your highest note to your lowest note. Mine might sound and look like this. All the way to the bottom, okay? Take a yawn and. And I'm gonna ask you to do the same thing with a yawn, but I'm gonna ask you to imagine that you could see air inside the palm of your hand. And you're gonna take that air and you're gonna support the yawn with your air following, okay? So put out your hand, inhale, and.
collectively, now I cannot state what each of you felt individually, but collectively, all of a sudden I hear more of your head voice going into your lower register. What, it's a great thing for singers who love to sing chest, chest, chest <laughs> voice or lower register all the time. What does it mean for us as organists? If you can keep that lightness in your person, you'll keep a more buoyant approach to playing the organ. So it, it all works together. Um, then perhaps the other thing we're going to take a look at right now, and then, and then we'll actually do some singing and some playing, is to, and you're going to get a repeat of this because we did yes. it for the master class. <laughs> we, had, we, we worked with some students um, playing the organ in the last session and actualizing some of these techniques, and it really did make a difference. So it's very exciting. We're going to trace what we call a V from the Alexander Technique. You start at your sternum. Lightly touch with your fingertips and trace a V from that point to the tips of your shoulders. And then just rest here. And your wrists are going to be the leaders. The wrists from that point lead up and they come out and make a full circle looking out for your neighbor. And then letting your arm just rest at your side. The goal is once you do that, not to let your shoulders cave back in or your rib cage collapse. Try the same thing again, find your sternum, trace the V to the tips of your shoulders, lift with your wrist, come around, and come back. That's our sitting posture for playing the organ. Lang um, widened and lengthened right here. I guess this is singing posture too. Don't stand up tall, that changes everything, but opening in this direction and this direction. Now we're gonna add one more thing to it, add breath to it. On your way up, I'm going to ask you to inhale through your nose. On the way down, I'm going to ask you to exhale through your mouth. But the exhale is going to be what we call a whispered ah. And the whispered ah, as you exhale, really floats over the vocal cords bottom here. Not up here, but down here. I'll, I'll demonstrate first. It sounds and looks like this. There's a whole lot more there than we imagined and think we have. So let's inhale together and exhale. All just to prepare this space. Um, when you're getting ready to play something and you're nervous about playing it, or maybe you get those where your heart comes up to here before the church service you're about <laughs> to, to play because something special is going on, do this exercise for about two minutes and your breathing will we come back to normal and you can sit down in a relaxed state. Now, if you're trusting, we're going to do the same thing one more time. Close your eyes to your void of all distractions, light distractions, anything else in the room. So, closing eyes, tracing the V, and inhale to the shoulders above, and exhale the whispered And nothing to do but stay in this state of balance and
for your, your warm-up um, when you go to practice the organ. Um, if you didn't grab one, did everybody get a hymnal right now for the session? Um, there's a box right here if you didn't, and there's a handout for the session if you need that as well. Get one of those? Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll trade you this one. <laughs> that one's already open. Um, we're going to take a look at a, a, a variety of hymns from different genres in terms of what do the melodies tell us, what do the harmonies tell us about the dance that might be in a piece of music. And we're going to start with chants. So we're going to go to hymn number 113 for right now, Of the Father's Love Begotten. And I'm just simply going to, well, our, our tonal center will be right here. And would you sing just the, the, the melody of that chant that is printed for us in the hymnal? So, here's of, of the Father's love begotten, began to be. We're just going to do that much for right now. I think the genius of chant is that they weren't worried about sticking in a particular meter <laughs> along the way. But because of, the of our growing up patterns, we're accustomed to very regular <laughs> metric settings of things, whether it be in our pop culture or in our hymnody. I think the, the joy of this is that the chant throws in some groups of in the midst of uh, something very regular, too. Edwin Gordon, in his learning, music learning theory, says, you know, all music can be reduced to being groups of two or three. And when you think about it, it is two plus two, four, four, two plus three, five, four, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, if, if we work with that premise and find out where the ones are of those groups, we know where the weighted syllables are. And if we look at the text here, of the Father's love begotten. You know, it's regular, and so we might use Robert Shaw's counting system that he was so famous for. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one. And I'm just putting slight weight on the number one, and twos are lighter. Would you sing that phrase with counting syllables? One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Keep going. One, two, one, two, one, two. Ah, then, and then we come to our first change. One, two, three, one. And then we, we feel that the two and three aren't as heavy as one, and it changes our approach to it. So do that whole, the first two phrases again. Ready, and one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. One, two, one, two, one, two, three, one. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one. One, two, one, two, one, two, three, one. That's like a different piece as soon as we feel those threes. And all of a sudden, we, if you take the weight off, it's going to give us now a clue for how our bodies might actualize it and how the organ might actualize it. If you would stand, please, and I'm going to ask you, every time you sing the number one, would you lift off your heels? And it could be one foot or both. So you might go, 
Stay in the air for the threes. Okay, ready? And one, two, 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 three, one, two, two, one, two, one, two, one, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one. Do you hear the elegance? that. Now, if you want to challenge your choirs, and I do this on Christmas Eve, it's our processional, uh, sometimes on Christmas Eve, this is how they walk. They only are allowed to step on beat one and come up, so they're going, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, and it's so cool to see the whole choir come up and go down at the same time. I never have to conduct them because they all are feeling that rhythm in their person. Um, if, if we weren't on the risers, I'd have you walk, but it's too hard up there. So, but trust me, and you can practice this on your own, but it's in getting off, and maybe it changes our notion about downbeat, that it's not so much downbeat, it's the springboard, one, one. You know, we do come down, but it's immediate how we lift off of it. What does that mean for the organ? Have a seat. Um, I think at its simplest, we want the congregation to feel the heartbeat of the text underneath it. And maybe we choose a pedal point along the way that we articulate and play for every beat one. It's, this is all elemental. You'd never do these things totally <laughs> with your congregation, but it's, it, these are stepping stones, building blocks. Um, let me get my we organists have to make fashion statements, you know, with our clothing during the summer. But um, the 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 whole notion of letting our our feet be a pulse then allows that buoyancy to come up into the melody, and the congregation doesn't need to have lots of harmony as much as they need to feel that heartbeat in fan. And if we can give that to them, chant might become their most favorite thing that they sing. I just recently read a study where um, young people, you know, we think they want pop culture in church. They're looking right now for contemplative, reflective music with the heartbeat in it. Very curious. I wonder if chant will make a comeback <laughs> um, in, 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 in that particular case. So if this is our tune along the way, um, maybe we get this heartbeat going underneath and just simply practice. hear anything moving on two or two and three because that would mess up the accent of the text and their feeling of staying together. Now that would get a bit monotonous after a while, but we'd start with that, just feeling it in our person at the bench. 
if I look at the accompaniment here, I thought, oh, this starts out really rather cool. They decided to let it truly be chant without an organ accompaniment. And um, the, the arranger um, gives us this to start with. And then all of a sudden, though, he left that and went into traditional <laughs> writing. Um, and so if we put all that together, it, it, it sounds quite neat to hear this. Kind of sticks out like a short rather Thank you again for listening to this podcast. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu/slash Alleluia.